Welcome to Liberated Living Ministries with John and Beverly Sheesby. You are listening to the Seed to Seed message for November 2020. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please visit our website, liberatedliving.com. Grace to you and greetings to you again from Bixby, Oklahoma. And I speak grace and mercy and peace upon you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the way Paul would start every letter, and even Peter did too, extending grace and peace and sometimes adding mercy to the greeting as they wrote letters. So I speak grace, mercy, and peace. Isn't that wonderful? God is so merciful to us. He's a good God. I was reading a couple of days ago about Jehoshaphat. And uh, when they went out against the armies, they began to sing, give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. That God began to set ambushments against the enemy and they started killing off each other. He loves it when we applaud and when we praise his mercy, because that's the first characteristic of his DNA that he revealed to Moses, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, merciful. Aren't you glad God is merciful? He doesn't give you what you deserve. And then his grace gives you what you don't deserve. He's just merciful and gracious. So may that be upon you. Well, our family is doing well. Bev and I are doing great uh, since the last seed to seed went out. Bev has had cataract surgery in both eyes. The one has completely recovered and the other still has a little bit of the floating medication in as I had when I had cataract surgery. But she's doing great and we have laid hands on a handkerchief Uh, She has it on her pillow, and every night she goes to sleep believing that the anointing is bringing perfect healing to her eyes. So uh, bless the Lord for that. Well, I am very excited about this month's Seed to Seed. Last month you had Tracy, and this month you're going to have the familiar voice of Matt who does all the introductions to the Seed to Seed. Bev and I have watched as Matt has been transformed before our eyes, and uh, his testimony that he's going to share this month is a wonderful testimony of the Spirit of God just moving so powerfully in his life, inviting him into a space, into a place of intimacy and communion with the Father that has brought such transformation to him. And I had initially asked Tracy to do this introduction because I said to her, you live with him and you've seen the the transformation firsthand and she felt it was right that I do the introduction and so I'm, I'm happy to do that but let me say that his family has seen the total change and transformation in him and so I know this is going to be a blessing to you and I trust that many of you will hear the call deep within your heart of the Holy Spirit calling you to that place. I, I can't help but go back to 1981 and Gweru when I heard the Spirit say, Mary has chosen the better part which shall not be taken away from her. When she chose to sit at Jesus' feet while Martha was distracted with all the activity of getting a meal ready, Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet 
The Holy Spirit said to me at that time, if you will make the choice to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his voice, I give you the same guarantee that Mary got, that it will never be taken away from you. And God has been so faithful to me. And I just love the fact that knowing his presence is now not even a question. I don't even have to come into his presence because I know his presence with me all the time. And so I pray that this will be an invitation to you in your spirit as you hear what Matt says. Thank you, Matt, for sharing this word with all those who listen to Seed to Seed. God bless you. Thank you, Dad, and hello, everyone. I'm excited for this opportunity to tell you guys about a radical transformation that has happened in my life over the last couple of years. I got saved when I was eight years old, had what I always thought of as sort of a a true conversion experience uh, around the age of 12, where God just became very real to me. Through the years, from about the time I was 15 on, I was very involved in, in worship. I played the bass guitar, and I was on various worship teams at my church back in Texas, where I grew up. Uh, when I came up to ORU, being involved with the worship team there, pursuing a degree in theology, and even after I graduated from ORU, continuing on to travel with a worship leader. His name was Daryl Evans, and spent a couple of years recording and traveling with him and leading worship events all over the place. And one of our main focuses was always inviting the presence of God to come into a place through worship. So I spent a lot of years growing in an experience with God, growing in an experience with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, and just learning what it meant to be in His presence, to experience what that was. I say that with the caveat of over the last two years, all of that has been blown out of the water. All of that has changed for me. I'm thankful to the grace of God. I don't think that he would take anything away from the things that I learned uh, back then and even over the last 20 years. But what he has done in my life in the last two years has been so profound for my marriage, for my my children and my my relationship with Jesus. He's just become very, very real. So I want to start at the end of January in 2019. Uh, Tracy and I were attending a church at that time, and we came out of church on a Sunday. For those of you who don't know, uh, we run a graphic design business. It's called Jones House Creative, and we do all sorts of graphic design and website design. You know, anytime you work for yourself, there tends to be an ebb and flow in work. I hesitate to call it a roller coaster, but man, it feels like a roller coaster. Uh, You know, we'll have feast and famine up and down, just kind of all around. And in the 10 years that we've been running this business, God has been very faithful. We've, we haven't had to do a lot of advertising. We get, you know, clients have come in. We've built up a name for ourselves in the, in the Christian writing industry. I have a lot of my clients are Christian authors. And so word of mouth has always carried us on. And of course, what I know in my, in my heart is that God has just been behind it, bringing us clients. But there has been a lot of up and down. And at the end of January uh, 2019, we came out of church one Sunday and I had a notice on my phone that our personal bank account was overdrawn. We'd kind of been in this season of that happening where we just were right at the bottom of what we had and always kind of having to watch the bank account. Okay, so we might need to write a check for the business and carry us through whatever. Well, on this particular day, I checked my bank account, saw that we were under. So I jumped over to see what was in our business bank account because I wanted to be able to write us a check. And our business account 
was overdrawn on that day. So there we were, just having come out of church, living this life of faith, and we were broke. And my mind immediately shifted into panic. As we drove home, I found myself alternating between anger and panic, and anger and panic, which is not a good recipe for keeping the mind of Christ, (laughs) having any kind of faith. But we got home, we pulled into the driveway, and I was at the breaking point. And I I sat in the car, Uh, the kids got out, and they went inside. Tracy was sitting next to me, and she got out and went inside. And I stayed in the car, and I just screamed. I yelled at God, and I shook my fist, and I said, you have not kept up your end of the bargain. Now, if any of you have done that, let me just say it was probably the lowest point in my life. I almost feel like it's a bit of a confession to tell this to anyone because it reveals where I was. Up until that point, I probably would have preached a message of faith and trust to anybody else who was struggling in that same situation. But when it came to me facing that situation, I completely caved. There I am sitting in the driveway, I'm I'm yelling at God, and Tracy comes back out to the car, and both of us are crying sitting there in the car because we're like, what are we going to do? We're going to lose the house, and we're going to lose our business, and whatever. So, of course, right in that moment, I did what any grown 45-year-old man would do. I went over to my mom's house. Mom, if you're listening, thank you. Yeah, so I I uh, went by myself. I went over to my mom's house and I was just going to ask for some money. I was going to say, Mom, we need money just to kind of carry us uh, till our next project comes through or our next paycheck is able to get paid. So I showed up at her house. I walked up to the door and the second she opened the door, I just burst into tears. She brought me inside quickly and sat me down on the couch and it just spilled out of me. So through tears and snot and body heaving, shaking from all the panic and everything that was in me, I shared with her what had happened that day. And she just spoke one word to me. She just said, breathe. And in that moment, I knew, I knew that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. The short story is the Lord had already been speaking to her about giving my family some money. She and Tracy had a, had a discussion about our kids needing some clothes for school. And so it was already on her heart. And so I was just going to ask for, you know, a couple of hundred dollars, maybe just to get us back up over the overdrawn line. And she wrote me a check for $3,000. And again, just said, breathe. I went home that day. I showed the check to Tracy and we, we thanked the Lord. But even in that moment, fear was just eating away, gnawing at my heart. I still didn't know what to do. So that was a Sunday. And on Monday morning, I woke up to a text on my phone. One of my best friends in the world, his name is Todd Peterson. And he's just one of those guys who just spends time with Jesus and knows him. And hears the, hears the Holy Spirit's voice frequently. And the text message was, hey, you got to listen to this message by Chris Vallotton from out at Bethel Church. And the, the message was about fatherlessness. 
I got to admit right in that moment, I wasn't really excited to listen to a message on fatherlessness. What I really wanted was to hear a message on this is how to make a million dollars in a week. But that's not the message that was on my phone that day. But because I trust Todd and because I trust the Holy Spirit in Todd, I just thought, all right, well, I'll listen to this message. So right in my text message app, I clicked the message that said fatherlessness. My podcast app opened up and it started playing a message from Bethel Church. But it was Bill Johnson speaking. It wasn't Chris Valentin. I thought, okay, so they've got the label wrong, whatever. I wasn't looking at the podcast app. I was just listening. I'm sitting on the uh, the couch in our games room upstairs. And I'm listening to this message. And he starts talking about the power of confession. So then I look down at my phone. And of course, yes, the message is entitled, The Power of Confession. I stop the message. I go back and look at the app. The app says, fatherlessness. But my podcast was playing The Power of Confession. You have those moments when you know, okay, God's steering the car right now. I hit play on the message again. I just started listening to it. And in that message, as Bill Johnson was speaking, one of the first things that Jesus started speaking to me was that he showed me, you're confessing the wrong things over your business. And it was so clear to me that it was Jesus speaking And again, I wasn't thinking about my business. I wasn't thinking about, I was just thinking about, we need money in the bank because we're not going to make it through this week. But of course, the Lord had already provided, but he did. He addressed this thing and and I'm listening to Bill Johnson speak. And, you know, in my life, I've gone through uh, Oral Roberts University. I've also attended Rhema Bible Training Center, which was a great, great two years. It was a great experience. But in that season, there was so much criticism of the word of faith. So much criticism uh, by people using phrases like name it and claim it. And of course, blab it and grab it and all this negativity associated with the power of confession. And something that Bill Johnson said in his message that I just really felt like was the Holy Spirit speaking to me was that I'd thrown the baby out with the bathwater. He said, just because a principle that is in the scriptures has been abused by people, it does not mean that that principle isn't true. And so I just absorbed that thought and I let it sink into my spirit. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, what is it that you say every time someone asks you, how's business? And the the response came up out of my heart immediately. And it was, business has been slow. And that is the response that I had been giving. And I knew it in my, in my spirit. I knew it in my head. I knew it. I'd gotten so accustomed to confessing that over my business that business is going slow. And the Lord said, your business is going slow because you are confessing over your business that it's slow. Now, I know after the the process that's happened over the last two years that that was just a nugget. That was something that the Lord was, was telling me, hey, I want you to change what you're saying. That's the first thing. But in the bigger picture, Jesus was talking to me about the words of my mouth, but he was addressing the condition of my heart and addressing where my mind was, where my heart was, and ultimately where my trust was. So as I listened further to this message by Bill Johnson, this power of confession, and if you you can go hear it, go hear it, go log on to their podcast and go find it. Like I said, it's from around January of 2019, but just a wonderful message. He continued on talking about confessing God's promises over your life in in different areas, confessing God's promises over our life for healing, 
confessing God's promises over our life as it pertains to our children and as it pertains to our marriages and, and, and so on. And these are things that I had heard all my life and things that I held to be true in my life that I would even share with someone else to do. But what I hadn't realized was I'd gotten into a pattern of confessing negatively because of circumstances that I saw around me and because of my own frustration and ultimately because of my own fear. But as, the, as that message progressed, I realized that he was about to lead his congregation in communion. Right in that second, I clearly heard the Holy Spirit speaking to my spirit. And he said, stop the message, go downstairs, get a piece of bread, get some juice, coffee, water, whatever you've got, and come back up here. You're going to take communion with these people as they do in this message. And 21 years ago, when I married Tracy and I got married into the Sheesby family, one of the really core principles, one of the foundational things that um, the Sheesby family has has stood on and that I have learned to stand on is our covenant right in Christ. The Lord's Supper, communion, uh, in our family, we call it the covenant meal, has been for us a time of, you know, in, in moments of need, in moments of rejoicing, uh, in moments of you know needing direction or whatever, sitting down, taking the covenant meal, taking the bread, taking the wine, and remembering the covenant that we have in Christ and everything that pertains to that, whether it's financial need or whether it's a need for healing, if it's a need for wisdom or whatever. So in the Sheesby family and then therefore in the Jones family, we have taken the Lord's Supper together as a means of remembering his promises. And so on this day, it, you know, it had a significant meaning for me that, that, that it was something that the Lord was saying, I want you to do this in this message with these people. So I went downstairs, I got some bread. And I think that day all I had was coffee. And so I had, I had bread and coffee and I came back upstairs. When I started the message again, I'm listening to Bill Johnson and he's taking the principles that he'd been sharing, the, the confession, power of confession. And he's saying, as you take the bread, and as you drink the wine, confess the promises of God in your life. And so he just went through a series and he said, this is just how I do it. This is not a formula. This is not something that you have to do. He said, but this is what I do. I, I take the bread. I remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. I remember the stripes that he took on his back. And I take that promise that from Isaiah 53, that by his stripes, we were healed. And so I confess healing over myself. I confess healing over my family. If there are other people around me that I know that are sick, I confess healing over them by the stripes of Jesus standing on that promise. And so you get the picture. We, he, he went through the covenant meal using it as a means of appropriating promises, as a means of declaring over his life the goodness of God. And so I went through the, it was about 15 minutes long and, and I went through the whole thing with them. I took the bread, I took the wine. In that time, that 15 minute span, the presence of God filled that room, completely filled it. It was tangible and his presence was so thick in the room that if I'd stood up, I would have felt like I had a heavy cloak sitting on me. I started weeping. I started crying because God was in the room and I knew it in the middle of my need, in the middle of panic and fear, God's response was to show up. So when the message finished, I was sitting on my couch, just thunderstruck. 
the Holy Spirit spoke to me and reminded me a story of one of mom and dad's friends in South Africa, Tyron Gower. He was a businessman living in, in uh, East London there. And every day in his office, he would take communion before he started work. He just kept some, some crackers and some juice there in his office. And he would just take communion every day. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you every day before you start work to come up here and take communion with me. We've all called communion the covenant meal, the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever. But the word communion is what the Holy Spirit used when he spoke to me and, and, and gave me this invitation. I began to understand the concept of communing with the Father, that it was a time for him to spend with me. So starting that week, I met with Jesus every single morning. I went through the confessions that I'd heard, you know, in Bill Johnson's message, just kind of using them as a template, not, not as a formula. You know, it's not a talisman, the, the covenant meal or communion. It's, it's not something that we, you know, you don't rub a genie's lamp and genie pops out or whatever. But what it did for me was it created a holy moment wherein I could spend time with Jesus every morning. Rather than coming in and laying out all the prayers and the, the, the petitions that I, I, I thought I had, you know, the need for money or the need for work or the need for whatever, the, it's like the Lord had given me a roadmap and said, confess my goodness over you. Confess my goodness over your children. Confess my goodness over your family, over your marriage, over your business, over your extended family, over friends and over time, the more that I would, you know, hear about someone who needed prayer, man, I would think about, okay, I'm going to pray for them in the morning when I, when I get in and I sit with Jesus. And again, like I said, those moments became holy moments for me where I was in a room and the presence of Jesus would fill the room. So at the end of that first week of having communion with the Lord every morning. Um, that Friday, I went into a local coffee shop here in Tulsa and I ran into a friend of mine who um, asked how I was doing. So I actually spoke honestly and I believe there's a difference in speaking truth out of trust and faith in Jesus versus speaking truth out of fear. But in that moment, I was just honest with him. I was even very conscious of what I was saying. You know, he asked me, how are things going? And I said, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't say business was slow. <laughs> what I said was, we're a little low on money right now. And he just said, well, man, I'll pray for you. And, and um, he's one of those people that I actually know, yeah, he was going to pray for us. Um, and then we just went on about our day. Well, that afternoon, this friend, um, his name's Chris Stewart, he called me and he just said that uh, he and his wife, they have a giving fund that they just set money aside and they wait for the Holy Spirit to speak to them about who they're supposed to give it to. And so when he'd spoken to his wife, they both felt like they wanted to give what was in that fund to us that week. I was like, well, man, that's fantastic. You know, uh, thank you so much. So he drops by my house and he hands me a check for $1,200. In the span of one week, the Lord had just handed us $4,200. You know, so yeah, we felt blessed, but it just, it, it made me so aware of the goodness of God. It made me so aware of Jesus being able to do whatever he wants at any moment. You know, I received that blessing, <laughs> prayed that, prayed a blessing over Chris and just thanked him for it. For the next several months, Jesus kept meeting with me every morning. 
And I wouldn't spend forever in there doing it. Some days were longer than others. What I remember the most about the first about month and a half or so is just crying. I cried every single morning because when the presence of God would come in the room, it was such a relief. It, it was the in, in those moments, you know, the 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 fear of the day uh, or the fear of what was going on or even the pressures of work and stuff would lift. And it was just you were in the presence of God and it was all I was aware of. You know, what I, what I want to say to all of you is it's not because of anything having to do with me. It wasn't the fact that I was following a formula or praying certain things. It was simply the fact that like in any relationship, if you show up, he shows up. His promise in the scriptures is if you draw near to me, I draw near to you. And I don't know how many times in my life I've said that and said it to other people and and even, gosh, probably preached it in places, but never really grasped what I was saying. Because God declared, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And do you know what happens when the presence of God shows up? Hell breaks loose. Hell breaks off. It falls away. And the presence of God is in the room. And of course, the presence of God in my life has always been like, you ever have those moments when you were a kid and you just felt like, you know, it's like the school's out and everybody's gone and your parents have forgotten to come and get you. That did happen to me once. And I forgive my parents for doing this, but it's a great illustration because I remember sitting outside of school and as a kid, somehow you can't see past the next five minutes. And all you can see is, I'm stuck at school. I'm going to be here forever. And then your parents' car comes around the corner and you just feel like, oh, everything's going to be okay. Everything's back to normal. Well, that was the feeling that kept happening every day is that Jesus was showing up in the room and just this sense of everything's going to be okay. And there were there were a few things that that I really felt like the Lord was showing me during that time. One of the first was that he wanted to spend time with me because I needed time in his presence. In Luke chapter five, verse 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Well, why did he do that? Well, I think it's summed up later when he tells his disciples and those that are listening that he only did the things that he saw the father doing, and he only said the things that he heard the father saying. How else is he going to see things and hear things unless he's spending time with his father? And I think Jesus in those times, he knew you need to spend time with me so that your perspective can be corrected, so that your trust can be centered, so that you become used to the fact that I am here. So for me, those times became precious because every morning I would come up and just being in his presence put me at rest. And so I look forward to those times. They become treasured, holy moments for me. Another thing that really happened to me, uh, this wonderful story that that John Eldred shared um, around that time, I think uh, I think dad read it to us at Thanksgiving or perhaps it was Christmas. I remember, I remember we were sitting around the table with everybody, but he just read this story. John Eldred was talking about when his grown sons come home, He loves it because they invade his house and they invade the pantry and they eat all of the food and they invade the refrigerator and they eat all the food in there. And every time they go out to eat, dad pays 
And, you know, when they leave, they they go into his closet and they're like, oh, dad, can I have this jacket? And dad, can I have these sunglasses? And dad, can I have these boots? And he gladly gives it. And why? Because he's dad. And he said this phrase that just stuck with me and over and over and over in my times in the morning when I would be in communion with Jesus, I would hear him say, when daddy's in the house, everything is taken care of. And that was such an anchor for me. You know, in this whole time, it wasn't like my business exploded. It wasn't like, you know, all of a sudden we've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank, nothing like that. But what was happening in my heart is that I was becoming aware that God is with me, Emmanuel, God with us, bringing peace, bringing life, bringing all of himself. I remember this one particular day I was praying and I was declaring healing. I was just standing on those promises. I was praying, you know, by your stripes, I am healed. By your stripes, Tracy is healed. I had this sense of Jesus in the room. And the, I'm just going to try to describe this because for me, it was so poignant, but it was as though he was standing maybe five or six feet away from me there in the room. And he said this to me, Matt, if you're going to embrace me as your healer, and then if you can imagine someone standing six feet away from you and then suddenly rushing up to you until their face is right up against your face, it's like he did that. And he said, if you're going to embrace one part of me. You have to embrace all of me. You have to embrace every facet of me for healing, for provision, for wisdom, for counsel, for grace, for peace. And he said, embrace all of me. It reminds me also of the, the stories from the Bible when, when Jesus fed the 5,000 and he fed the 4,000. And later on in, a, in Mark, twice Mark talks about this in chapter 5 and in chapter 6, he says the disciples had not understood the miracle of the loaves. And right in that time, I was in my, in my Bible study reading plan at that time, I was, I was actually reading those verses. And I remember asking the Lord, why, you know, when, when you calm the storm, you're asleep in the boat. We're going across the, the lake and there's this huge storm. The disciples are freaking out and they think they're going to the, they're going to drown and the boat's going to capsize. And they wake Jesus up and he speaks to the storm and he says, oh, you of little faith. And then Mark says it was because they did not yet understand the miracle of the loaves. And I remember asking the Lord, what are you talking about? Why would why would that be the the key there? And the Lord spoke to me and I remember feeling impressed by the spirit that what he was communicating to them is I can do whatever I want when it comes to provision. I can take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed 10,000 people. You know, the scripture says there were 5,000 men. So we have to assume that there were women and children there as well. So he took five loaves of bread, two fish and fed 10,000 people, and they had 12 basketfuls left over. And then again, when they fed the 4,000, they had seven basketfuls left over. And Jesus, I believe, was saying in those scriptures, you don't understand who you are with, because I can do whatever I need to do. And I think the reason that he knew he could do whatever it was he needed to do was because the father had spoken to him out of his relationship with the father, out of his time spent with the father, he knew 
that provision was always going to be there. He knew that God's presence and power were always going to be there. And he knew that the things that God had told him to do, he was going to complete in his life because he trusted his father. And around that time, I had watched the movie, The Shack. And for any of you who've seen it, and even those that haven't seen it, uh, the story is about a man named Mac. He loses his daughter tragically. And in the story, God invites him to come spend time with him. <laughs> so God invites Mac, who has fallen into a deep sadness, into a deep darkness, and invites him to come and, and spend time with him out at this shack. In the movie, at the end, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are, are sitting with Mac, and they're telling him, you can either go home back to your family, or if you want, you can stay here with us. And Mac chooses to go back to his family and, and live the rest of his physical life but he says, if I go back, I don't want you to leave me. And so each one of the, the persons of the Trinity responds. And I remember specifically what the person of Jesus in the story, and I realize it was just a story, but, but I remember what the person of Jesus said. He said, I never do. And God the Father said, I never have. And God, the Holy Spirit said, I never will. But Jesus's response in this movie was, I never do. I believe that in that moment, God used that story to express to me, I never leave. It's not in my nature to leave. You know, we've all heard the scripture where Jesus said, I will never leave and I will never forsake. But something that we have to grasp is that it is in his nature to stay. Jesus says, I will not leave nor forsake. And I think in that moment, he was promising me. And that's what I kept encountering every day is that it's not in my nature to leave. I don't leave. I just don't. If you mess up, I don't leave. If you face a struggle or a trying time, I don't leave. And it was something that he was establishing in my heart that he is with me. So in all of this, what was Jesus doing? winning my heart. He was making it clear to me that he wanted to be with me and that he wasn't going to leave, that his presence was the very answer to every need I had. And that when his presence was in the house, everything in my life was taken care of. If you want to write a point down, this is one point that you could write down. There is no substitute for relationship with Jesus. And there's no way to have relationship with Jesus without spending time daily with them. And I think we've made it hard. I think, I think in, in inviting me to simply have communion with him every morning, I think the Lord was making it easy. You know, rather than coming in and having to have a list of prayers that I needed to pray or already know ahead of time what I was going to say, his invitation was come and be in my presence. And so when I brought the bread and I brought the juice, all I knew was that I was here to be with him. And then as he spoke to my heart, I would pray those things. And yes, I started off with the, the, the template of the prayers that I'd heard Bill Johnson praying, the confessions, but that grew. And I even remember at one point thinking, man, I need to, I need to grow this thing, this time with Jesus. And, and I brought my Bible with me and I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm about to offend somebody I know, but I had my Bible with me and I started to reach for it while I was in the middle of this communion time. And clear as I've ever heard the Holy Spirit speak, he said, 
do that on your own time. And what it said to me was that this time was his time with me. He built relationship for me. So coming back to the story of the, this process that the Lord had me on, that was the end of January of 2019. For roughly four months or so, the Lord would just every morning meet me in a time of communion and we would share. And he was teaching me things and showing me things, building into me things about himself that I always thought I had known, but that he wanted to be in me and as a part of me. About four months later, I think we were about in around May of 2019 or so, we were still in need financially. Um, You know, my business was still moving on kind of as it always had. Tracy began to have this sense of maybe I need to get a full-time job. You know, she's, she's worked with me and my business for all these years. She's amazing. She handles all of our books and she does a lot of the, the, helps me with my design work and, and uh, even codes websites, (laughs) but just began to think maybe if she got a job that we'd have an additional income and and maybe it would relieve some of the burden that we had. And we started looking around a a potential job came up that really seemed like it was going to be a great fit. And um, so we went through the, the interview process. I say we, Tracy went through the interview process, giving her resume and meeting with uh, the staff there at the, it was a a residency, a medical residency place here in town uh, that actually my mother works at. Be a wonderful place to to work, Christian people, and just a a fantastic place to work. As Tracy began to, to pursue the job, she, of course, just took it to the Lord. And I remember we were right up to the point of having to make the decision. And in the place that Tracy had had interviewed with, the director asked her one day, how will you feel about coming to work every day from eight in the morning until five in the evening? How will that feel in regards to being with your family and the time away? And something about that comment gave Tracy pause and she took it to the Lord. And so I took it to the Lord as well. And I remember we were at the point of decision about whether or not to say, yes, I can do it or no, I can't. And so I just asked the Lord point blank one day, I said, is Tracy supposed to have this job? And I really felt clearly him say, no, Tracy is not to take the job. But I knew what that meant as far as not having that income. You know, this we'd kind of had been looking forward to the thought of, you know, having a, another full-time income in the house and whatnot. But knowing what I knew And being in the place of relationship with Jesus, I have grown to trust that if he gives you a word, that there is a plan on the other side of it, or there's provision on the other side of it. There's nothing that he's going to tell us to do that isn't going to bring life. Not one thing. Anything he speaks is going to have life in it. And you can trust his word all the way to your dying day. When he spoke to me about that, I remember thinking, okay, And I came downstairs and Tracy was out in the backyard Uh, that day. It was in the spring and she was planting flowers and praying. And that's kind of what she'd been doing at that time. And I came outside and I sat down on the back porch uh, on the steps down in the yard. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching her and I can tell actually that she has tears in her eyes and she's crying. And she saw me and she had headphones on. She took the headphones off and came over and sat down and she was crying. Of course, I'm like, what's up? What's going on? And she, through tears, just said, I feel like the Lord is saying that I'm not supposed to take this job. And so I immediately shared with her what I felt the Lord had told me as well. I remember looking at her and just seeing this complete sense of relief because 
I know her, her heart was for our family was that she wanted to to take another full time job so that that the pressure of finances in our house could be could be eased a little bit. You know, so to hear me say that I felt like the Lord was saying not to take the job and she was also hearing it, I think was a relief for her. Right in that moment, I realized that the fear that I had had back at the end of January on that day, sitting in my driveway, feeling like we have no money, we're going to lose our house, we're going to blah, 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 blah. That fear that had crippled me for all these years, 10 years of running this business was gone. It was completely gone. And to this day, now, a year and a half later, I can say that it's completely gone. The presence of God in my life set me free from the bondage of fear. Trusting Him, being in relationship with Him, knowing that when He has spoken something to me, I can trust that word beyond what the natural things look like or beyond what a bank account says or what any person can look at my life and judge. I know that if Jesus has said something, I can trust that word. The fear that was on me was completely lifted. And I was so amazed in that moment that I actually think I, I took the moment away from Tracy a little bit. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. And uh, of course, for her, she was excited about that because she had unfortunately been on the, the receiving end of a lot of my panic through the years. But therein lies the difference. Through the years when I would become afraid or I would face a challenge, I would run to my mom or I would lean hard on Tracy or maybe I would run to John and Bev or to friends or someone else. The biggest change in my life is that now when I face challenges, my first response is to turn to my father, but not just in a sense of God, please help me. Are you out there? Can you hear me? Are you listening? But in a sense, a very real sense of knowing that his presence is in the room with me, that he hasn't left, not for a moment. And I've become fond of a phrase that, that I feel like the Lord gave me, but it's that nothing about this situation surprises him. Nothing caught him off guard. So where we are is a place that he already knew we were going to be. And when we turn to him, when we look to him and we seek him first, his response is to add to us the things that we need. And the fact that he already has a plan, that he already has a way, has become the anchor that I lean on. And that is the difference. That is the ultimate place that this journey has brought me to. Today, when I face a challenge, my first response is to turn and say, Jesus, what are you saying in this situation? I've even learned not to say, why am I in this situation? But instead, what is it that you're wanting to do? What is it that you're wanting to say here? And listening to him. And that's what he's brought me to. He's brought me to a place of complete and utter trust and dependence on him. And no, I'm not perfect. No, I don't do it right all the time. Yes, I still face challenges. But what my heart knows, what my spirit knows is that God's presence is with me. That does not change. And that sense of relief, that sense of being taken care of because my father is with me is always there. And so every morning when I get up before I go to work, I don't even like to start my day anymore without that time with him. And sometimes I take communion. Uh, most of the time I do, but not always. Sometimes I just, I just want to spend time with him because it's like Peter said, where else would I go? 
You have the words of life. And that's who Jesus is to me. I remember not very long ago, I was in my prayer time in the morning and I was just sitting and I'm praying and just enjoying the Lord's presence. And I had this sense wash over me of Jesus, I really would do anything that you told me to do because I trust you. If you tell me to do something, I know I can trust the outcome. Even if the outcome was my death, I would trust him because knowing his voice and knowing who he is, I don't have to fear anything that he tells me to do because I can trust it. And I remember in that moment, I have always been enamored by the Arthur stories, King Arthur. And I just remember in that moment thinking the way the knights of the round table felt about Arthur is a good example of how I feel about Jesus. I follow him because I love him, because I trust him, because he has shown me his love for me and my life and set me free. He's fought battles for me that I couldn't fight. And therefore, my life is his. And I remember sitting on my couch and saying these words to him, Jesus, I am your man. Not in a sense of I'm the only one and I'm the best that he's got because by far I'm not, but I'm his. My spirit, my heart, my mind know that whatever Jesus says to do, I will do. And I've heard people through the years talk about being sold out to Jesus and falling in love with him. And I don't think I ever understood it until he took me on this journey over the last two years. What amazes me the most is that he took me from a place of sitting in my car in my driveway and screaming at him and blaming him for the place that I was in. And his response to that was, come and be with me. And the result of me saying yes to his invitation is that I fell in love with him and that my heart has completely turned towards him and that I'm his man. So I wanted to, at the end of today, I wanted to actually take communion with you at the end of this message. But the truth is, you don't need me. You don't need me to walk you through communion. You don't need me to paint some sort of picture of this is how you do it. What you need and what I want to leave you with more than anything is that you need the presence of Jesus in your life daily. You need to find a place. And honestly, the invitation that he gave to me, I think, has probably been there for years and years and years. And in your life, too, I want to encourage you today to answer Jesus's invitation, whatever it is. Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe you have a long commute and you have time in the morning. Give that time to him. Maybe you have a time in the morning or in the evening when people have gone to bed and you just have some time to yourself. You can go find a quiet room or you can go and sit out on your back porch or maybe your garage or maybe the bathroom. If that's the only place you can be by yourself, accept Jesus's invitation to spend time with him. And when you go and spend time with him, remember, this is a relationship and it does go both ways. He will speak. He does speak. And his words bring life. So that's my invitation to you today. I love this phrase, and I just want to speak it over you, that what I have freely received, I freely give to you. And what I give to you is I give to you an encouragement to say yes, to accept the invitation of your loving Savior 
your Arthur, your King, and just say, yes, Lord, I will spend this time with you. And listen, listen to him when he speaks to you. Listen to him and trust that he hears you. He hears you when you pray. He knows your needs. But like he said in in Matthew chapter six, he said, seek the kingdom of God first and all these other things will be added to you. Your needs will be met when you seek him. He is the kingdom. He is God's kingdom that came and was present on earth 2000 years ago. And with his Holy Spirit being given to us, it's his presence. It's the kingdom of God is his presence and it's him. His invitation is come and spend time with me. So let's pray. Jesus, I just pray for every person who's listening today. And I pray that they would hear your invitation. And I pray that they would respond to that invitation with a resounding yes. Lord, I just pray that for every person who who responds yes to that invitation, that you would show them where is the place where they can carve out time with you? Where is the, the room where they can be? Or what is the action that you want them to do. Maybe it's being out in, out in a garden and they're doing their gardening while you're, they're talking to you, or maybe it's when they're working on their car, you know, but just a place that they can be alone with you and spending time with you and hearing you. Lord, I pray that you would lead them to those places of intimacy with you, of building relationship where the cares of this world and the fears that the enemy would try to put on us fall away Because you are in the house. And when daddy's in the house, everything is taken care of. So Lord, I just ask you to bless your people. I pray that you would reach out to them, that they would hear your invitation, that they would say yes. And that starting today, people's lives would be changed by the very real presence of the Son of God. Lord, bless your people. Help them to receive your presence. Help them to receive your promises and to seek relationship with you that sets them free. In the name of Jesus, amen.